Pulse Audio Podcast Network. Herstory fans, what makes you scared? What goes bump in the night that sends chills up your spine? Is it the wage gap? Is it the patriarchy? Well, today we're going to talk about something that should make everyone scared. Dastardly dames. Welcome to another episode of Whining About Herstory, the women's history podcast where two longtime besties with breasties chat about women from history you've probably never heard of. I'm Emily. I'm Kelly. And thanks for tuning in to our final week of felonious females, dastardly dames, and salacious stories. I'm sure there will be more scattered throughout the year, but this Probably. is the last week that's just dedicated to bummer stories. <laughs> People you should not idolize. Yeah, don't aspire to be. These are not your history heroes, but their stories are pretty fascinating. So, Kelly, you picked our wine this week. I did. I actually picked it out a long, like a while ago because I saw it and I was like, ooh, Halloween wine. So this, the brand is called Girl and Dragon. I thought that was like the name of the wine, but no, that's actually like the brand. Which I like even more. It's like our whole theme is women and dragons. Right? Girl and dragon. Um, This isn't a one-off. This is literally just Cabernet Sauvignon. Like they don't have a separate name for their their wine. Um, But on the back it says Be Fearless, which is kind of neat. And that's going to be our theme for today because (laughs) this is the month of scares. Like, and we need to be fearless. And that's all it actually says on the 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 bottle but online it says bold and powerful this cabernet sauvignon shows flavors of lush dark fruit perfect with carne asada tacos lamb vindaloo and steak tartare or whining about the patriarchy i want some lamb vindaloo now how good does that sound i think steak tartare sounds good and i'm like i could eat all three of those why did we record before i ate dinner (laughs) we're recording with my dinner next to me and i can't eat it yet so oh that's that's, that's mean. mean. I that's me doing it to myself, so. You're a mean lady. You know what's going to happen, though? During your story, I'm just going to start stealing your fries and eat them seductively in front of you. <laughs> now you have to make noise to do it. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, I have something that we could cheers to. What's that? Well, I have two things. You told me it was your eldest pug's birthday. Oh, you no know, tartar. No tar. Speaking of take tar, steak tartar. <laughs> tartar. Little Tari. Her, she's what thirteen or fourteen now. Yeah, she's old. She's a Granny Smith puggle. She's old. And yesterday, my boyfriend and I celebrated our four years. Aww. Yeah, I took a half day and went to the aquarium. So. I was, for a second, I was like, if you tell me you got engaged and this is how you're telling me, I would both be like really excited and really mad at the same time. I might tell you on air. Yeah, right. Like, I might test the friendship that way. Thanks. <laughs> it depends. Like, if it's like a day later, I guess I wouldn't be that mad. But if it's like, if you like wait an entire week to tell me, I'll probably be pretty pissed. I'm just sitting here holding the glass in my left hand, like clinking my ring finger against oh, for a second, it. I thought you were like being serious. Oh, like, no, no, no. <laughs> No, that's a well, different ring. Congratulations. Thank you. Cheers. Ooh. It's like salty and a little muted all at the same time. But I do get like the fruit too. Like, yeah. Like, like the dark fruit. I don't know what dark fruit it is, but I can like taste it. Dark violence. Yeah, dark violence. It tastes good. No, I, I definitely want this with like a big slab of meat now. 
Right. This is not the vegetarian podcast. (laughs) Make some steak. Mm. I like it, though. Yeah, it's good. I'm a fan. All right. Uh, Kelly. Farther away from the edge. (laughs) You are going first today. I am. I'm actually fairly excited. Like, I don't know. I'm, as I think we said last time, like, we're both actually pretty big true crime buffs. So, like, researching murderesses, as weird as it is, I'm like, this is really exciting. And, like, I shouldn't be excited about this. You know, you can put that closer to you. You don't have to put it, like, halfway across the room. I don't want to mindlessly sip it through your story, but I also want to. (laughs) But no, it's fun because. You know, you and I really bonded over true crime, and I never wanted to do a true crime podcast, one, because there's so many amazing ones out there, and I'm like, I concede to you people. But two- Throw it in a little in ours. But two, like, this week has shown me, I don't think I could research true crime every week, like, dig really deep into it and read it back. I know. I'm like, I thought I could, but like, yeah, this last month, I'm like- you know, I'm okay that we don't do this all the time. Yeah, like the so bell- prop props to like wine and crime and the people that do and my true favorite crime murder all the crime time. junkie. Uh, that's the, weird. What, I know mor- they do some true podcast crime. or something. Rigor mortis. Yeah, yeah. All y'all are heroes. Right. Okay, so I'm covering Lizzie Halliday. Hall- yeah, I think that's how you say it. Halliday? No, it's Halley. Like, when I I googled the pronunciation, because I was like, oh, it's ho- like holiday. No, it's like Halliday. I'm like, okay, Halliday, because it's H-A-L-L-I-D-A-Y. I wish it was Halliday. holiday, though, because I love killers with, with like, ironic nicknames. Yeah. Like, either their nickname or their name is on point, like, you know, Charles Payne or something right. like that. But then the opposite, where it's like... Liddy Holiday murdered 23 right. people. So, yeah. La la la. Lizzie Halliday, originally named Eliza Margaret McNally, was born around 1859, though some sources go as late as 1864. So there's, you know, a good five-year difference depending on, like, where people say she was born or can, when. Can I just say, never trust a grown-ass woman who goes by the name Lizzie. 100% right. that bitch is crazy. Lizzie Borden, Lizzie Halliday. Like, that's all I need to establish <laughs> a pattern. Two. two is enough. <laughs> I'm sure there are more, but never trust an adult named Lizzie, okay? Right. At that point, she should have gone back to, like, Eliza or whatever her or real Liz, name was, right? Or something more adult. But. Um, so she was born sometime between 1859 and 1864 in County Antrim, Ireland. Her family then moved to the United States somewhere between when she was three and eight. I hope she was just, like, lying about her age to seem younger, and that's why no one knows when she was born. Well, like, later in the story, yeah, she gives her age, like, to a, like, newspaper, and yeah, they're like, eh, you know, so yeah, I think that's kind of why. Okay. Plus with immigrating and everything, like, it's hard. Like, passing through Ellis Island, everything just suddenly becomes made up. Well, it's because it was her, her parents, and nine siblings. Nine siblings. Nine or eight or 20. No one really knows. Right. So the McNally settled in New York City, and growing up an immigrant uh, an immigrant in the big mo- melting pot that was the Big Apple at the time, Elizabeth McNally developed a fearsome reputation. Her violent temper was well-known and feared on the streets, but it was an ugly characteristic which would result in her estrangement from her own family. 
sad. So, yeah, eventually, basically, her family, like, kicked her out. There's not, like, a lot on, like, like one specific episode. It was just like, oh, you know, they kicked her out, and she just kind of, like, puttered around New York for a while. Yeah. But in 1879, Lizzie married a man in Greenwich, New York, named Charles Hopkins, which was an alias when his real name was Ketspool Brown. Which so, I understand why he has an alias. I was going to say Charles Hopkins, Hopkins yep. versus Ketspool Brown. Ketspool like, Brown, Brown isn't terrible, but Ketspool is kind of a weird name. That one sounds like the fake name. Right. That sounds like his criminal nickname. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, they are said to have had a son. There's not like a ton of records on him, but supposedly if they had a son, he ended up institutionalized. Oh, like kind of the extent of it. <laughs> like uh mental health institutionalized. It or honestly criminal? didn't say anywhere. Like it just said they may or may not have had a son. If they did, he was institutionalized, just like depending on what article you read. They named him Ketswood Jr. Nope. and the kid just could not <laughs> fucking cope. Handle it. No. Um, no. <laughs> Hopkins died within a year of their marriage, and then in eight, in 1881, um, Lizzie remarried to a pensioner and a veteran named Artemis Brown, Brewer. Brown, that'd be funny. I actually really like the name Artemis. I was going to say Artemis Brewer. Yeah. Everyone has Artemis cool Brewer. names. Um, but how he also died a, less than a year into their marriage. Okay. Is this a pattern we're establishing? <laughs> like, never trust an adult Lizzie. <laughs> Not yet. Okay. Her third husband, Harim Pakis- Pakis- Pakinson. Parkinson. Parkinson. Okay, why, why do I always say Pakinson? <laughs> I was going to say you Hiram made that way harder. Parkinson left her within their first year of marriage. So he just up and left. Probably she, smart. Right? She then went on to marry George Smith, a war veteran who is also a comrade of her second husband, Brewer. Ew. Um... And she tried to uh, poison him with arsenic in his tea. Um, however, her attempt failed and he caught on. And so she fled to Bellows Falls, Vermont. I hear the leaves are lovely this time of year. <laughs> right? Probably. In Vermont, she married Charles Plastel, um, but then she vanished two weeks later. So she married him and then just kind of disappeared. So he probably got lucky too. Probably. Or maybe he caught on. Right. What kind of, like, meet cute is that? Oh, how did you meet your husband? At my second husband's funeral? Right. What? I know, right? I'm like, that's Yeah, he was just, he was really compassionate. And, like, he was a really good lay 20 minutes after. Like, it was, it was, it was a good time. Yeah. Um, in winter of 1888, Lizzie finally resurfaced in Philadelphia when she turned up at a saloon on 1218 North Front Street run by the McQuillans, um, who were her family's neighbors back in Ireland. So, like, she knew them from Ireland. Okay. So she turns up at their saloon, um, going by the name of Maggie Hopkins, and they kind of take her in, you know, help her help her get back on her feet. Um, she, she ended up setting up a shop near them and was later convicted of burning it down for the insurance money. Goddamn little Belganess. Right? Uh, she was sentenced to two years in Philadelphia's e- Eastern State Pen- Penitentiary. She did serve two years for that. Um, that some, place is brutal. Right. At some point after her release, she turned up in Newburgh, Orange County. They really didn't keep good, like, tabs on her. I love, she just keeps popping yeah, she up. Just, she, like, disappears, and then it's just like, oh, look, she's here now. She's like a fucking whack-a-mole. Right. Um, so she turns up in Newburgh in Orange County. There she meets Paul Halliday. Halliday. A widower living in Burlingham, Sullivan County, with his two sons. 
She went to work for him as a housekeeper and he eventually married her, though some neighbors say that he only married her as a way of avoiding having to pay her. <laughs> I'm sorry. Because she was what? the housekeeper. And so right. the, the, his neighbors are like, yeah, he only married her so he didn't have to pay her salaries. <laughs> That's what his neighbors were saying. I am dumbfounded right now. <laughs> know, right? Like, what a scheme. What a I don't want to pay you, so I'm just going to marry you instead. And let's, you know, maybe he was an outlier. Maybe he was just kind of a shitty dude. Right. But just imagine what that says for how he viewed women. No, 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 no. I could pay you to clean my house or I could marry you. And you can clean my and house. And you can cl- still clean my house. <laughs> right. But you don't get paid. Exactly. You just get to be legally bound to me. That's, that's What true. the hell? Oh, I didn't even think about that. That's fucked. Um, so, yeah, as I say, they got married. Their marriage was marred by what Halliday would describe as Lizzie's sporadic spells of insanity. That's what he called them. Um, within two years, the Halliday family house and barn had burned to the ground, and Lizzie was suspected of setting the fires. <laughs> yep. <laughs> At one point, she even stole a team of horses and had a neighbor help help her drive them to Newburgh, New York. Some of the articles I read said said that they were, like, eloping together, and some of them were like, no, he just helped her. So, you know, either one. Um, but she ended up selling the horses when they got to Newburgh. Um but she was caught because the neighbor uh, like abandoned her. He um, peaced out. He's like mm-hmm, exactly. Mm-hmm. And then she was caught, and she but she was acquitted of the crime on grounds of insanity. Was she though? Um, but they did, they did put her in an asylum. Okay, like so she she was she wasn't convicted like criminally, but they were like, nah, you're crazy. Go to the go asylum. to the asylum. Doesn't say which one she ended up in this this time. <laughs> this time, Lizzie, there's can- a this time. <laughs> Spit on my computer again. Lizzie convinced her husband to gain release from asylum, and she returned She returned the favor by burning his house down, and no, his no. barn, and a nearby mill, killing Halliday's mentally handicapped son, John. No! Yep. Oh, fuck! That's awful! Right? Um, Why would you bail her out? Right. She burnt your shit down. And then she did it again! And then ran off with your horses and sold them, right. and she's like... Babe, babe, I I was just really tired. It'd been a rough week. You know, <laughs> you fine. did marry me just so I'd clean your house for free. I had some feelings about that, but I'm totally fine right. now. I'm she, it's fine. She burned everything down again. Um, or the new stuff, I would assume. Um, and she was suspected this time because she was known to have disliked his his son John. Oh, so she did it on purpose. That's what they that's what they think. So she was arrested and sent to asylum sent to an asylum, transferred to another one, and then once she was transferred, she was declared cured and released back to Halliday. Fucking stop. Right. <laughs> Come on, people. <laughs> this is like giving me a headache. Right. So so in the August of the year she returned home, um, pa- Paul Halliday disappeared. Lizzie told the neighbors that, she, that he was out traveling, but they became suspicious and got a warrant to search the property. This woman murdered your son and burnt down everything you own. Exactly. That's why the neighbors are like, nah. Her back. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm coming off as like a huge victim blamer here. No, and I'm like, not trying I, to. She burned your shit twice. But I'm just <laughs> trying to wrap my head around this. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, there is, there is no wrapping your head around it. So 
like I said, the neighbors became suspicious, even though she, you know, had a story that he was out doing, you know, traveling abroad for work. Um, and so when they searched her property, they didn't find Halliday, but they did turn up two bodies under a haystack in, in a barn. I thought the barn was burnt down. They must have multiple barns. There's so many barns. There is an abundance of barns. <laughs> yes. The deceased turned out to be Margaret and Sarah McQuillan, the wife and daughter of the <gasps> man who had provided Lizzie a home in Philadelphia. Just in case you How did they about get that. all the way there? Uh, I don't know. I would assume they came to visit, is my guess. Gross. Um, they had both been shot. Um, however, little else could be ascertained from Lizzie because when she was questioned, she behaved in an erratic manner, tearing at her clothes and talking incoherently. She was kept in custody, and some thought she was merely faking her insanity. That's where I'm kind of hanging here right? <laughs> because she knows enough to hide the bodies and to lie about where her husband is, exactly. who, spoiler, I'm pretty sure is dead. Oh, yeah, no, a few days later after the McQuillans were found, pa- Paul Halliday's mutilated body was discovered under the floorboards of his house. Ew! Must have been a third house because she burnt the other two. <laughs> um, she was just he like- had also been shot. She's like, you got too many barns, you got too many houses, it's just clutter, and it's it's stressing me out. Um, Lizzie was charged with all three murders, and uh, the trial was held in the Sullivan County Jail in Monticello, New York. So it's still in the same county she lived in, just a different town. Okay. Um, During her first few months in jail, she refused to eat, attacked the sheriff's wife, set fire to her own, own bed tried hanging herself, and cut her throat and arms with broken glass, to which she said, quote, I thought I would cut myself to see if I could bleed, end quote. After that, her jailers were forced to chain her to the floor during the remaining three months she was there. Jeez. Because they're like, no, (laughs) like, stop. You are entirely too much. (laughs) Right. Um, During her time in jail, Lizzie became a national celebrity. The New York City newspapers, ever on the lookout for a sensational story, soon discovered Halliday's saga. And in particular, the New York world gave her front page coverage. And papers from other papers from around the country soon followed suit. You know how people like a good murder story. Especially when it's a woman. Right. The, the New York world portrayed Lizzie's case as, quote, unprecedented and almost without parallel in the annals of crime, end quote. She was also covered by the world's Nellie Bly. <gasps> Another history right? hero! Um, Nellie actually eventually managed to get an interview with Lizzie in which um, Lizzie revealed her previous marriages. So, like, I think a lot of people didn't know she had been married, like, six times by this point. Yeah. Well, um, it, you don't... How right? do you keep track of exactly. that? Um, and Bly was able to, you know, confirm the facts that she was married six times. Um, the revelation that she had been married five times before pa- Paul Halliday and that two of her husbands had died less than a year after their weddings and that Lizzie had tried to poison the third husband led to press speculation that she was responsible for at least six deaths, not just the three she was charged with. There was just something about the whole situation that didn't sit right, right. with them. And quote, whether these men died natural deaths or were murdered is not known, end quote. Let's be real here. Right? Let's all be real. Right? Herstory headcanon, not that far off. She deaf murdered everyone. Yeah. 100%. Um, so while she was being held, um, for some reason, the Sullivan County Sheriff Hanson Beecher decided to 
kind of thought maybe that Lizzie was linked to the Jack the Ripper murders in Whitechapel because she would have been like a child slash teenager ish around that point. Okay, I don't know, but pe- like for some reason, he thought that maybe she was Jack the Ripper. Wouldn't she? Wasn't she in I, Ireland? D- yes. But she just keeps popping up places. Who the fuck knows? True, but like as a teenager, you think right. her family would know? Like we never went to Whitechapel. Well, that or she never that or left. maybe they're saying in one of these gaps between like her in various places in New York. Maybe they're like maybe she went back to London. <laughs> I don't because I'd have to actually look up like the dates of Jack the Ripper. That doesn't seem like her mo. Like I know you mentioned the last husband was mutilated. Weird. And I don't know how, like, if he was if he was slashed medically somehow, I'd be right, like, eh, yeah, I, I could know. see how you might want to make that connection. But it sounds right. like he's just trying to be like, okay, this is already sensational. Let's make but it. But wait. Yeah. I was going to say, so his quote is, quote, recent investigations show that Mrs. Halliday in all probabil- is in all probability connected with the famous Whitechapel murders, although no firm connection was ever actually made. Okay, I love he's like... The, she's definitely Jack the Ripper. I have nothing to support that, but just trust yeah, me, right? she's definitely Jacqueline the Ripper. Right. Uh, and the New York Herald reported that his, you know, his assertion in a dispatch that was picked up by newspapers in Maryland and Ohio. So, like, various newspapers then picked up this story with one of them saying, quote, we suspect that this mysterious creature was connected with the horrible Whitechapel murders, which was the Daily Times reporting, noting that Sheriff Beecher asked the suspect point blank about her involvement. So, quote, the sheriff asked her, Miss Hall- Miss Halliday, Lizzie, you-, you are accused of the Whitechapel murders. Are you guilty? To which she responded, do you think I am an elephant? That was done by a man. Boom. End quote. Honestly, it probably was a man. No, like there was definitely a man. (laughs) Um, So no, yeah, like I said, no evidence was ever found to implicate Lizzie in the Jack the Ripper murders, but authorities had little doubt that they discovered only a small percentage of her victims, whether she was in Whitechapel or not. They're like, yeah, she probably killed more than we know about. Yeah. Especially since no one was tracking anything. She's just popping up random places. So another good source during this time, besides Lizzie herself, um, was Robert Halliday, the other son. Remember I said he had two sons. Oh. So the other son was still alive. And traumatized. Probably. Um, (laughs) However, Lizzie, he must have visited her because at some point Lizzie made a claim to him that she had killed a husband in Belfast, um, but had managed to conceal that crime, which we would have never known. That's horrifying. So she must have gone back. If she if she is stating she had a husband in Belfast, she must have gone back to Ireland at some point. Yeah, because she would have been a little kid when she left. Right? Whether Between she was three, three and or eight. eight. Years old. <laughs> That's not a wide enough gap. Right. So on June 21st, 1894, Halliday was convicted and sentenced for the murder of all three. So Margaret and Sarah McQuillan and Paul Mr. Halliday. Mr. Halliday. Um, she became the first woman ever to be sentenced to death by electrocution via New York State's new electric chair. Uh, however, there was such like a hubbub about it that the governor at the time, Russell P. Flower, commuted her sentence to life in a mental institution after she was medically after a medical commission declared her insane. Here's the thing. I'm not denying she was unstable or evil. I still had like evil. another page to go. But I don't think she was insane in the way we would see it today. She no, knew what nope. she was doing. But I mean, you have to remember, insane 
in insane slash insanity is a legal term. It is not actually a, a psychological term at all. No, I know, but I know. by I just, today's I standards, to say that. legally, I don't even think she'd be considered that. Well, maybe. But. Well, actually, what we don't know, what we didn't realize, is she was caught reading a book in her cell, and right. they and were wearing like, pants. "And wearing She's pants, a fucking witch." <laughs> right? Exactly. <laughs> Burn her. So she got her sentence commuted, and she was sent to the. Madawan State Hospital for the Criminally Insane, where she would spend the remainder of her life. However, <laughs> the story's not done. No. While there, she continued, continued to exhibit dangerous tendencies and was generally given a wide berth, both by other inmates and the att- in- attendants that served at the hospital. In 1897, she took offense at her treatment by one of the attendants, and together with a second inmate, Jane Shannon, who was considered the most dangerous inmate at the institution. I didn't look her up. I kind of want to, though. Let's just assume she was a bad bitch. (laughs) Yeah. Together together with Jane, um, they isolated the attendant in a bathroom. Shannon knocked the attendant, Miss Kate Ward, to the ground and jumped on her. Halliday then stuffed a towel into her mouth, and the two of them began to beat the victims with their fists. Lizzie pulled out her hair and scratched her face mercilessly with fingernails. Um, She was rescued from the assault. Uh, She was unconscious at the time. She did survive, however, with no lingering injuries. Holy shit. Other than probably, like, really bad, like, mental problems about bathrooms. Yeah. (laughs) Lots of trauma uh, that society was not equipped to help her deal with <laughs> right um both prisoners of course were then secured in isolation yeah um apparently after that lizzie was actually relatively stable for about six years <laughs> six years she had a good run she did she was relatively stable until she struck again this time way more viciously mm. she had six years to think about yeah, it exactly <laughs> it's it, it's actually more like it seems like she got really attached to someone so, uh, a woman named Miss Nellie Wicks, who was a prison nurse, showed Lizzie a lot of kindness. And, they, you know, they kind of became friends. Friendly. As much as you can, you know. Uh, so, according to the details, Miss Wicks um, was really empathetic. She was really, she was able to really relate to the inmates. Not like, I'm going to murder you type relate, but you know, like, she treated them like humans where they probably didn't get a lot of that back Yeah, then. it's like, wow. Right. Your um, life sucks. That sucks. Right. Um, she had recently been promoted to the head of the women's unit, and in her new position, she had developed a fondness for the difficult-to-manage Lizzie, giving her certain privileges within the group. Lizzie, in turn, returned the kindness and appeared to develop a sort of maternal affection for Miss Wicks. I don't like any of this. Yep. <laughs> I want it to be like, and like, that was cool, right. and then Lizzie and then died. Done. Yeah. No. Um, oh. After a time, Miss Wicks informed the group, including Lizzie, that she would soon be leaving the institution to pursue her studies to become a medical nurse. No. Lizzie begged her not to leave. Regardless, Miss Wicks remained resolute. Over her last few days, it was general knowledge that Lizzie was making verbal threats, saying that she would kill the young nurse rather than see her leave. You fucking lie to Lizzie. You never (laughs) tell Lizzie the truth. As threats of this sort were common from Lizzie, they were ignored. Um, oh my on God. her final day at the institution, at 8 o'clock in the morning, Miss Wicks entered a bathroom. Lizzie slipped in behind her and knocked her to the floor. 
Before the nurse could react, Lizzie had taken her keys and locked the door from the inside. Ew, she learned! She then returned to the defenseless young woman and using a pair of scissors that was attached to her garter, because she was allowed to sew, I guess, um, she proceeded to stab Miss Wicks over 200 times in the face, head, and neck. Oh, Her fuck. screams alerted the other attendants who tried to come in. Like, they, they got a doctor. They tried to go in the main door. They couldn't. So they had to go, like, all the way around to, like, some other door. They finally got in to find, like, Lizzie still, like, going at it. She was still alive when they found her. However, she died less than an hour later in the medical ward. That's what being stabbed 200 times right. will do to you. Um, that well, is so awful. While being taken to solitary confinement, Lizzie is reported to have said rather calmly, quote, she won't be leaving me now. Fuck you, Lizzie. Fuck you. Jesus Christ. Like, it, it wasn't kindness she was missing in her life. She was an entirely selfish person because she was totally fine with that relationship until the dynamic was going to change, until right. she felt someone was going to leave her. And maybe she had some kind of trauma in her life that triggered that kind of response. But that is so fucked. Right. That is disgusting. Yeah. That poor woman. Yeah. Oh, I'm not going to sleep tonight. No. This is why we didn't do a true crime podcast. Right. Um, so Lizzie then, you know, just kind of lived out the rest of her life in asylum. Um, and on June 28th, 1918, while still incarcerated, Lizzie Halliday, once, uh, who was described as, quote, the worst woman on earth by the New York Times, end Bear. quote, um, <laughs> quietly passed away. She was 58 years old. Eh. <laughs> she was between 13 and 800 years old. Right. They they estimate she was about 58 years old. So she just kind of... She just died. I'm guessing they didn't care enough to do an autopsy on her. They were probably just like, she's dead. We're good. Here's Moving the other on. thing. I'm sure people there, for, for better or for worse, were just dying. You know, right. they just die. They're stuck there their whole lives. No one actually cares. No family is coming around to check. And that's a really depressing state of affairs. And my sympathy is not extended to Lizzie. Fuck her. Because here's the thing. I have this kind of philosophy with male killers. Like, you can have a horrible childhood. You can have all the right. trauma. You can have all the reasons under the sun to be the way you are. But the second you take someone's life or hurt someone else and make it everyone else's problem, right. fuck you. And see, hers doesn't even necessarily seem like it was some like trigger. It, like, it honestly just sounds like she was just kind of always this way. Yeah. And... Because we don't know a lot about her, right. I don't want to just write her off as like, oh, yeah, she just was born bad or whatever. But I mean, either way. Either way, in the end, she she was bad. Jesus. Yeah. So that's Lizzie Halliday. And unfortunately, I don't, I mean, I maybe not unfortunately, but I don't really have like a legacy or any happy follow-up. She sucks. The uh, end. She's dead. I guess that's a happy follow-up. Whoop, whoop. God. Yeah. I think. I feel so bad for I think nurse. you ended with the worst story. Yeah. I did. That <laughs> kind is... of intentionally. I'm going to try and find like a really happy one for next week. See, we're lucky because mine is about a criminal lady, but it is not super depressing. Well, like I it's said, I tried to find an arsonist. Yeah. Which like female arsonists are like few and far between. But we've but covered two. <laughs> but then I stumbled up. Well, they're murderers with a little bit of arson. That's what I'm saying. Like, There's no like just arsonist. Just a touch of arson. Just a touch. Um. 
But then I stumbled stumbled on her and I was like, because in the t- the article I first read was titled The Worst Woman in America. And I'm like, I feel like I have to include this. You do. As much as I don't want to, I feel like I have to. No, that was, that was dark. That was fun. Yeah, no, I, all of that sucked. But the story of the nurse at the very that's end. That's just heartbreaking. I'm like, you were so close. That really fucked me so, up. So, uh, you know, if you're someone working in a criminally insane uh, mental asylum, do not befriend the patients. Like, don't be an asshole, but don't befriend them either. Just, and don't tell them if you're leaving. I was going to say, leave. just just stop showing up. Just stop showing up. Let everyone else tell them you're dead. Right. <laughs> tell your coworkers. Don't tell the patients. All right. Well, to bring things up a little bit <laughs> just, just from a nurse murder, uh, I'm going to cover Sadie the Goat Pharrell. I just want to know why she's called the goat. Well, it I'm, never really comes ha- up. What? It never comes Are you up. Actually, no, you're, you're fucking. <laughs> me. I was like, I don't want to hear this story. Then <laughs> we're done. This podcast is now only a half an hour long. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs> Every article called her Sadie the Goat, but they never explained why. Right. So, because we are like womb cousins now, I am also covering an Irish immigrant lady living in New York in the 1800s. Maybe they knew each other. I hope not. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, at least if they, at least if they did, she survived. Yeah. Okay. So we don't know much about Sadie Farrell before she rose to infamy. What we do know is that she grew up in the slums of New York's fourth ward. To say the least, Things were not great. Sadie grew up among thieves, hustlers, and other brands of criminals. Well, and this was probably back when, like, America hated Irish people. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was <laughs> I remember that was a thing. <laughs> I might say it later, but this was called uh, the the bloody fourth ward because there was so much yep. criminal activity. Yep. Okay. She learned well from them because by 1869, she was a notorious criminal in her own right. Sadie, who had teamed up with a male cohort to back her up, began executing a a creative crime. Mm. Sadie would target drunk men emerging from the local bars. When she had identified the mark, she would headbutt them in the gut, stunning stunning them long enough for her partner to slingshot a rock into their head. I understand the goat part now. <laughs> you don't even have to tell me. I'm like, oh, yep, that sounds like a goat. We'll get, I I will explain it because it's in my notes. And if I but, stop I mean, reading fine. my notes, I don't know what I'm saying. That's, I mean, that's clever, I guess. So, I'm pretty sure she could have done other things to distract them, but okay. So if slingshotting the guy in the head didn't work, her. Like, are they trying to kill them? Or just knock them out. Just knock them okay. out. So if that didn't work, uh, her male cohort would beat the victim with a bat. Like these. Wow, that's mate- that's like a severe escalation. Like, hey, I'm gonna hit you once in the head with a rock. Otherwise, I'm gonna beat you within an inch of your life with a bat. Just to unconsciousness. Like these people made it out alive, but this was not like a fun experience. No. This was so much pain. I would still rather get hit in the head with one rock. <laughs> it really, like, it'll oh, fuck yeah. you up, Oh, though. yeah, because it, you aim for the temple. That's how you yeah. knock someone out with one rock. So this would incapacitate the victim, and then Sadie would rob them of anything valuable, including their pants and shoes. She just wanted those sweet, sweet pockets. Right. Don't we all, babe? <laughs> Well, it's like I wore my, hu- my husband's onesie today because I work from home and I wanted to be warm. And I had worn mine last week and mine doesn't have fucking pockets. 
and I put his on and I like came up to him and I'm like, you want to know how I know yours, mine was bought in a women's department and yours was bought in a men's department? And he's like, how? I'm like, yours has goddamn pockets. And then I just walked away. fucking bullshit. I hate it. I was like, I'm just stealing your onesie now because it has pockets and mine doesn't. Fuck the pocket patriarchy. Right. From now on, women, only buy stuff that has pockets because then they will be forced to create things that have pockets. Yes. So Sadie was a small woman but had enough attitude and sass to make herself a formidable opponent. So she was like a tiny babe and she's just wrecking people's lives. Like you. In a good way. You're wrecking it in a good way. Yes. I'm wrecking my own life. (laughs) Cheers to that. Cheers. (laughs) To protect herself during these attacks, Sadie made sure to hit victims in their soft stomachs, skillfully avoiding their skulls or sternums. She's already close, closer to that level anyway. Right. <laughs> Though this operation didn't garner Sadie a lot of money, it did earn her a reputation on the East Side docks. Her unique style of crime earned her the nickname The Goat, if you hadn't already picked <laughs> up on that. Spelling it out for you. You know, maybe they're just really drunk. Maybe they're just really appreciative of you spelling like, it out for them. Oh, oh, because goats like headbutt. Yeah. I get it now. We love uh, we love all of you, regardless of what you're doing when you're listening to our podcast. Regardless of what you're doing or how I'm making fun of you. Sadie was a rough and tumble gal, and it didn't earn her much in the way of friends. In mm. fact, she had a particularly hostile interaction with another felonious female. Ooh. Gallus Mag was an English immigrant working as a bouncer in a hole-in-the-wall bar called Hole in the Wall. Props they knew what they were. Right? They're like, yeah, we're not going to deny it. Measuring at six feet tall and with a Ooh, touch she of... she was a big lady. And with a touch of dark violence, Mag was well-suited to tangle with the bar's unruly patrons. She was a big gal and she was ready to throw your ass to the ground. She also walked around with a bat and That's she'd like awesome. beat people up with yeah. it. Yeah. Sadie and Mag had a well-established feud and I couldn't find anything about what exactly incited the feud. <laughs> Just that they had one. But the fact that Sadie was Irish and Mag was English certainly couldn't have helped because they have butted heads for oh, a geez. long time. I'm done. I'm, done I'm trying really hard to make Kelly are. quit the podcast. <laughs> She's like, I want to do this alone, goddammit. One day, Sadie and Gallus Mag got into a fight. While Sadie was tough, she was no match for her six-foot-tall opponent. That person could just, like, sit on her. She kind of sat on her with her arm. So Mag got Sadie into a headlock and bit off Sadie's ear. Oh, gross. Yeah. Like, what is with... Like, why? Why do people bite off other people's body parts? I'm like, that's gross. Well, your oh. ear is just a... I mean, it's just cartilage. Yeah, and it's so it's poorly so secured it's to your so head. It's so terrible. Yeah. Terrible. Not terrible. T-E-A-R-A-B-L-E. T-E-A-R-T-E-A-T-E-A-R-T-E-A-R-T-E-A-R-T-E-A-R-T-E-A-R-T-E-A-R-T-E-A-R-T-E-A-R-T-E-A-R-T-E-A-R-T-E-A-
Oh, Sadie the goat. Okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> I know who that is. I understand now. This was a big hit to Sadie's street cred, and she moved away from the East Dock to the West Side Docks on the other side of Manhattan. There, she stumbled upon members of the Charlton Street Gang who were trying to hijack a small ship anchored in the North River, now known as the Hudson. They were doing a really bad job of it. The gang was so disorganized that the ship's crew easily beat the shit out of them and drove them away. In their failure, Sadie saw an opportunity. She approached the defeated gang and told them that with the guidance of her criminal mind, she could lead them to success. She was like one of those motivational speakers that right? go to corporate She's retreats. like, I know I'm really short, but guys, I can do this. I got you. I got you. A few days later, the gang led by Sadie returned and successfully hijacked an even larger ship. Good job. When they boarded the ship, they flew the Jolly Roger, which for anyone who doesn't know, is the Skull and Crossbones pirate flag. Captain Sadie led her crew up and down the North River, Harlem River, and up into Poughkeepsie. As they sailed, they stopped to raid... Poughkeepsie? Is it Poughkeepsie? I don't oh. know. I don't think it matters. Okay, this... The way they spell this fucking oh, yeah. town... Oh, yeah. Be glad I got it as close <laughs> as I did, and I just say... Just say Pugkeepsie. I only know it because of the the Sex and the City movie. Uh, Because they make a poo joke about it. (laughs) I shouldn't laugh at a shit joke, but here we are. We'll have to watch it. It's funny. I laugh every time. So as they sailed, they stopped to raid towns, robbing farmhouses and mansions alike. They also targeted small merchant ships. Hmm. Just poor, poor farmers. Like, yeah. farmers don't make a lot of money. Yeah. Like, the rest of them, sure, rob them. But like, farms? the mansion people, I'm oh. like, what? That's like your midsummer mansion. You're right. there two weeks out of the year, and it doesn't even have the good china. Right. Fuck you. <laughs> Sadie felt comfortable with her new role as a pirate. She began to devour literature on pirate lore and history. Then... She's she is a witch. She wants pockets, she wants pants, and she wants to conquest. She is 100% and a she witch. Reads books. And she reads books. Fucking dangerous. burn her. <laughs> then after reading that pirates once kidnapped Julius Caesar. Oh, Jesus Christ. I never heard that story, but okay. I didn't either, actually. She found a new aspiration. To kidnap someone? Cross-stitching. Sweet. She just cross stitches about kidnapping someone. She cross stitches like epic poems about abducting yep. Julius Caesar. <laughs> she be becomes funny. like the premier poet of of that time that, that we've never be heard of because she was a woman wearing pants. Yeah, yep. This that just took right. a sharp left. Yeah. <laughs> that none of that is what happened. Yeah. So she actually orders her crew to begin kidnapping people and she would hold them for ransom. I really hope she didn't kidnap the farmers because they would have been like, I'll give you a sheep. Right. I'll give you the clothes off my back. If her crew or prisoners did not do as they were ordered, Sadie made them walk the plank. Into a river. Yes. No one could swim. No, I was going to say, the Hudson, I mean, I think that's actually known to have like a strong current. Yeah. Well, I think this is around the general era of the slalom disaster where the riverboat caught on fire and everyone drowned because no one could fucking swim and corsets are impossible yes it was all those swimming stockings (laughs) they just couldn't deal with it 
For months, Sadie and her crew pillaged and plundered, hiding their booty up and down New York's rivers until they could fence it and get their hands on cold, hard cash. One of the fencers she commonly worked with was another dastardly dame. We're having, like, cameos. Right. And guest guest appearances from other badass, horrible women. Yeah. I had one. <laughs> uh, so this woman was Frederica Marm Mandelbaum who was known as the most successful fencer on the East Coast between 1862 and 1884. She handled between one and five million dollars worth of stolen goods. Damn, honey. Damn, honey. And I saw a pic, I didn't get into her, but I saw a picture and she looks like a fancy rich lady, but she's like really crabby. (laughs) Yeah. And you're like, hmm, yes. Yeah, like, you got money, but you could also cut me. I respect that. I understand. However, as Sadie and her crew's pillaging escalated to murder, terrorized farmers had to take action. I didn't read a lot about the murder, but they're well, pillaging. If they're, if they're, well, and if they're making people walk the plane. Yeah. Like. This isn't like fun in games. Maybe to Sadie it, it is a little, but... Right? The fact that she reads the book and she's like, I'm going to kidnap people. Well, and I even read like the whole thing about walking the plank is kind of up in the air as to whether pirates actually did it. But she was like... Well, this seems piratey. Let's do it. So the farmers banded together and ambushed Sadie and the Charlton gang. You don't fuck with the farmers. Don't fuck with farmers. You don't fuck with the people who serve your food and you don't fuck with farmers. They got a lot of land to bury you (laughs) on. Okay. No one's going to check. (laughs) Yes. Do not fuck with farmers, (laughs) especially female farmers. Named Lizzie. Or Belle. Or Belle. <laughs> so they uh, ambushed the gang as they tried to come ashore, and police patrolling the harbors got in the way of, pill- of them pillaging merchant ships. Increased confrontations with the police and townspeople left many of Sadie's crew dead, forcing them to disband. So everyone was kind of like, no, enough, and <laughs> really done. started yeah. turning up the heat. Sadie took her cash and returned to the fourth ward where she was hailed as queen of the waterfront. So she just like was like, okay, I guess I'm done being a pirate. I'm going to go over here and be rich. Right. She used her pirate earnings to open up her own gin mill. Nice. I mean, it's no whiskey, but it's a respectable liquor that smells like pine salt. It does. It really does. It doesn't taste much better either. So I have an epilogue. Ooh. Sometime after Sadie returned to the East Docks, the police cracked down on the Hole in the Wall bar just because there had been seven murders there in two months. You know, in the ear thing. Cops have no chill. (laughs) Right before the police closed down at the bar's last call, last last call, Sadie returned to visit Gallus Mag, the woman who had previously bitten off Sadie's ear. The two women reconciled their differences... Imagine that conversation. You know, I get you were just mad because you don't have pockets to carry your shit in. I almost feel and like I had was to be mad like, too, and we were taking it out on each right. other. But we need to get together and fight for our right, right to have pockets. I, was say, I feel like it was almost Sadie being like, "You beat me. I understand. I, we good." <laughs> I like to imagine it was some kind of mutual respect thing. Like, hey, we're two criminal gals just trying to right, get by in exactly. this world. I was jealous because you're really tall. I was jealous because no one ever asks you how the weather is up here. 
<laughs> well, no it's one ever, all about height. But no one ever uses you as an armrest. Oh, Sadie, that must be so hard. Meg, I love you. Sadie, I love you. And then they had a bunch of babies. Okay. Herstory headcanon. <laughs> uh so Meg, Mag, being an upstanding badass, returns Sadie's ear to her. Aww. And this, have you ever watched Brooklyn Nine-Nine? Bits and pieces, yeah. This makes me think of the line, so Rosa, the most badass mm-hmm. character, yep. she's like, I'm a badass, not an anarchist. And I'm like, that's what this makes me think of. Yeah, Mag was a badass, bit. not an anarchist. I really hope Sadie then took her ear and like put it in her own bar. For the rest of Sadie's life. She wore her own severed ear in a locket around her neck. I don't like that as much. That's I creepy. like that like, more. Well, like, okay, so did she, like, origami her ear to make it, like, a small locket? Or was it just, like, a big fucking locket? I, I think it was just a big fucking locket. Okay, you know, she was a flashy gal. She liked to just, show I really off hope wealth. she, like, found a way to, like, still preserve it so it wasn't just, like, rotting flesh. Well, it had been soaking in alcohol for only God knows how long. That's still gross. Legacy. Other than being super gross, Sadie... Okay, so Sadie's story is incredible, but there is no confirmation she ever existed. God damn it. Is there any confirmation that the other two women existed? Or did you not look it up? So I think the fencing lady did exist, but Gallus Mag is also kind of wrapped up into this lore. So Sadie and Gallus Mag may just be another part of New York City folklore, but her story has made an impact. She has been featured in books, songs, and even video games. My favorite reference is her appearance in an episode of Drunk History in which she was portrayed by Kat Dennings, which is now the only way I see Sadie. I 100% think that Kat Dennings is Sadie reincarnated <laughs> because they're both short and I both I bet I bet they both had amazing boobs in like a really beautiful respectful way and that's all I can see but I actually I wanted to cover these ladies for October and I could not figure out like I couldn't remember the names or anything. Oh yeah. And then I happened to be rewatching Drunk History, and this episode came up, and I'm you like, "Oh shit, them! The universe has delivered upon me a story of badassery, amen." <laughs> but yeah, so that you. is Sadie the goat and her severed ear. So now that we've all forgotten about Kelly's portion of this episode. Yeah. Kelly, what are you thankful <laughs> really for? Shitty downer. We're not going to talk about it anymore. Um, it never happened. I'm really thankful for. I'm thankful for again, as I say every week. I'm thankful for a lot of things. I just I hate repeating myself. That's okay. I'm thankful for a really awesome coworker that switched shifts with me, so I could be home on Friday. Oh, nice! Shout out, coworker! Yay! Um, Thanks, I'm really other Emily. <laughs> We're a good bunch. <laughs> I know you are. I like Emily's. Always trust an adult Emily. Never trust an adult Lizzie. But never trust a child Emily. Those bitches are sneaky. <laughs> I know. Well, she speaks the truth. Yes. My parents can attest. Us bitches are sneaky. That's funny. What are you thankful for? Um, I'm really thankful I got to take a half day yesterday and... um. Jared, you know, has PTSD, and so we don't go to malls or movie theaters yeah, or do? really crowded places. So we had we had two plans. If the weather was nice, we were going to go like on a walk or to the the zoo or something. If the weather wasn't nice, we were going to go to the aquarium up in the cities because it's a Tuesday. There's not, yeah, no the, one the, there. Not. Oh my god, the pugs are I pissed. Think I think it's tiny pug. 
She is. She's like, how dare you go to the aquarium without me? God damn it. (laughs) But it was so cool because we had the whole like. She's named after a fish. No, she's not. But we had the whole place practically to ourselves. And it was really nice to be able to enjoy that experience and relax and look at the sharks because I love the sharks. I love them so much. There was one of those uh, big sawfish sharks. Mm -hmm. Like. So you walk through this tunnel where all the sharks so are swimming like around. Chilling on top of the tunnel. It was just chilling on top of the tunnel. I love when they do that. I was like, oh my god. I was freaking out. I loved it so much. So yeah, that's what I'm thankful for. Oh, that's cute. Yeah, we had a good day and we made a good dinner and then we cuddled up on the couch and watched we, and Mind we don't Hunter. Need to know the rest of it. We watched Mind Hunter. Yeah. That's where your day ends. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care what happened after that. What are you implying, Kelly? Everything. Emily. That I bit off his ear and put it in my locket? <laughs> that would be so gross. That would be. That would be fucked up. For so many reasons. Anyways. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Whining About Herstory. If you are fucking sick of dark, terrible stories of felonious ladies, it's okay because next week we are back to awesome ladies and talking about general herstory versus horrible herstory. All right? That's going to be our, like, true crime killer women spinoff, horrible herstory. Yeah. That'll be like our, our October podcast. Yes. Horrible history. We're already planning for next year. I already have one of my wines picked out. It's, <laughs> it's just, I don't know what the wine is. It's just a black bottle shaped like a cat. Oh, yeah. That's cool. Yeah. I know I might do the, the real, there's a, actually, I think it's a vodka. I might have to switch to a vodka next year. They have like the crystal skull one. Oh, that's a. Isn't that tequila? Might be tequila. Whatever it is, we're going to have it next year. All right. Sounds good. Well, again, thank you so much for listening. Please, wherever you listen, rate us five stars. Leave a nice review. It really helps us out. You have no idea. We're starting to get some reviews on iTunes, which is huge. It makes us so happy. It makes us so happy. Like, when I'm having a bad day, I will go and reread reviews because that is how much I need a win. <laughs> so, uh, please follow us on Facebook, Whining About Herstory, Instagram, Pod. Twitter, W A, yes. W A, she's looking at me like, <laughs> I'm mouthing the letters to her. W A H underscore pod. Um, our website is whiningaboutherstory.com and our email is whiningaboutherstory at gmail.com. Send us your ladies you would want us to talk about. And then if you have someone in your life who deserves a shout out, send us them too and we will feature them in our Say Their Name segment. Woot woot. So again, thank you so much for listening to Whining About Herstory. I'm Emily. I'm Kelly. And have an empowered day. Bye. Bye.